Hi, this is Viv, and you're listening to a new episode of If I Did, You Can Too. Instead of saying the guest that I have for you today, as I do in every single episode, I'm going to actually tell you a little bit of story. So today has been a really, really tough day for me. I've been trying to make decisions that will definitely change the course of my life. I mean, I don't really know what the future holds, really, but I've been struggling with this for a while, and I've been thinking about this decision and just after having the talk with Nazanin my guest today I was like if there is a time it is right now that I have to make this decision that is how inspired I was I think that says it all about the whole episode and I am going to let you go and listen to it right now for yourself and hear the story from herself. But before that, thank you so much for supporting. If I did, you can too. Thank you so much for supporting me, for all your beautiful, kind comments. And thank you for sharing the podcast with your friends, commenting and rating us on Apple Podcasts and on so many different platforms. I love you guys so much. And now let's go ahead and get inspired. Okay, so we got Nazan right here with us. Nazan, go ahead and introduce yourself. Uh, hi. Um, so here it is Nazan Danishvar. I'm uh, 37 years old, uh, born in Tehran. Uh, graduated from uh, IT engineering back in Tehran and started my uh, career as a developer. My, actually, as a help desk. Initially, while I was at the university. No, actually, no. I need to fix it. Going back. So when I got accepted at university, I started doing, um, going to the schools that I used to learn for the entrance exam of the university. I started teaching the students that have failed uh, through their exams. And I realized, oh no, I just don't have the patience to actually put up with it. <laughs> so it was already so difficult. So I quit that job and I started as a help desk. So. That was my first official job, like uh, while I was a student at university. Um, uh, I started doing uh, accountancy as well as a help desk in a factory. And um, yeah, while working there for around a year, I got the, uh, I got uh, I got to hear that there is a company in Tehran that wants junior developers. And while I was at university already learning how to code, I just got interested. So I started my career. Uh, as a developer and that was the point that I actually fell in love with coding yeah that was the beginning of the story perfect okay Nazanin I've heard a lot about you a lot and um, (laughs) right now by the time that this podcast is out I'm pretty sure whoever listens to this podcast they've also heard a lot about you because the part that Arash talks about you is actually in the podcast and I didn't remove it so everyone is curious (laughs) to know who this person is now <laughs> go ahead and tell your story right from the beginning yeah sure thank you very much and so well basically yeah i started my um career as a junior software developer in that company and uh, i just got more more and more in love with coding every day that i was working there and i was the youngest and the only woman in the team that uh, basically in the development team and how it went was um, we started developing some projects uh, for a British-based company. So they were getting projects in London. We were developing them in Tehran and just like as a cheap labor by then. And then uh, 
Um, yeah, through all these times, and then I was continuing to study before my master's. Um, I got, uh, I got basically when I finished my bachelor, I got an admission from a technical university of Vienna uh, to continue my master's program. So I flew in, and it was in the middle of winter. Everything is dark, cold. It was horrible. So I just got so depressed alone. And straight away, I got the news that I was accepted in the entrance exam of the master's school in Iran. So I just didn't even waste a minute. So I got the flight and I moved back. So I was just said, this is not the place I want to be. So I studied <laughs> my master's there and continued the coding and the development. And um, yeah, and then the company started doing those projects for the, uh, basically for England. And while doing those ones, I asked my, um, my company, if they could provide an invitation for me, so I could just go and visit London and just for a short time. And they said, yeah, sure. So I got my uh, visa. I went to England and I visited the office that we had there. And uh, uh, they were just like, yeah, now that you've came for, I'm, I'm basically going to take it for 20 days uh, to visit and come back. And they were just like, why don't you just stay? Uh, and they offered me to actually start coding till end of, basically I converted the visa till end of the time that I got the visa. Uh, so that was one of the parts that was really like a different uh, kind of an era in my experience because before that I was coming from this um, conservative Tabrizi family, like uh everything in order with the background that my grandparents were all at military, so everything in order and discipline. And I always followed up the rules from my parents and my culture. And suddenly I was in the middle of London, just like feeling like a free girl that can do anything that she wants. Um, so yeah, I stayed there. I moved into a house sharing, like a flat sharing with six other flatmates. That was the craziest time for my mom that she didn't sleep for nights and nights thinking what's going to happen to her daughter. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, so she was calling me every morning and she was panicking. Yeah. Was it all fine at night? I was just saying, yeah. And at night she was just, can you lock the door? I was just, mom, nobody's going to come into the room. So she was so scared. Um, yeah, but, but that, that was, that was really nice. But then, and then, uh, yeah, I stayed there till, um, basically, uh, uh, end of the time and by by that time working in the London office I actually got promoted to become the tech leader of the whole team development team and I remember that day that they announced to the tech uh, team that I'm going to be the new uh, leader of the team so many of the guys resigned that day and uh, I never forget one of the guys that oh was also God. in the uh, London office he resigned and the reason was just like, first of all, I was younger than everybody. Second of all, these guys were the guys that started teaching me when I actually wanted to start on that company because I was a junior developer. And I never forget, I was so frightened. I was just saying, yeah, these guys are now resigning. What's going to happen? Like they're just, they're just basically going to withdraw their, their decision or whatever. And I never forget, my boss actually collected everybody over the phone and in the room, like because some of them were in Tehran, some of them were in London. So he was just like, this is the new decision that has been made. Does anybody have issues with it? And I remember a couple of guys, they were just like, yes, we do have an issue. And then he was just like, okay, you've got half an hour to collect your stuff, leave the company, and I take it as your resignation. And I was so shocked. I remember like my hands were shaking. 
like I lost my blood pressure. I was just like, what is going to happen? And I was, by then I was like 24 years old or something. And um, yeah, so, and then all the guys were shocked. I mean, they never expected this, right? So, uh, and then they started basically changing their words and they stayed. So that was my first official uh, leadership kind of position. And, um, yeah. And then I moved back to Tehran and started leading the team in London and, uh, in Iran, uh, till actually the sanctions came. So the sanctions came, everything got so bad. The office in Tehran was shut down. So, and uh, uh, me and uh, one of the senior developers were the only ones that uh, stayed on board and we had to work from home. Just similar to the situation that everybody's facing right now. And then uh, eventually, yeah, we just basically, they even cut that part as well. So, and, uh, and we couldn't continue working from home. It was just not that spirit. And uh, then I started basically doing some other like uh, e-commerce projects in Tehran. And by doing those ones and delivering the project, I got this job offer from Germany. And uh, I got it from Germany as a tech lead. Uh, and um, I, Always, for some reason, I had this—I don't know—the the 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 thoughts that I don't like Germany. I don't want to go there. And I remember my initial contract was for three months as a contractor, and uh, so I got this offer. I was talking to my dad. I said, "No, I don't want to go there. I don't like Germany." And my dad was just like, "You've never been there. Germany is one of the best countries, so you have to really go there. And if you don't like it, then you come back in three months." And, uh, yeah, so my interview was also based in London because I just had a visa for uh, England. So I went there, I did the interview, and they were fine. So they applied for the visa. I moved to Berlin, December 2010. Um, oh, yeah, by the way, something happened. Sorry, I missed something in between. So uh, while working for the England, um, basically the British company, when the work was finished in the the England uh, England based company, uh, uh, and then I did some projects in between, and then I I actually um, uh, decided to start my own startup, which I didn't have a clue what a startup means. Uh, my idea was like because I moved back from England, we were living on the third floor of a building, and my mom was just constantly going for. Uh, fruit shopping, like kind of supermarket shopping and carrying all these things upstairs. We didn't have a lift. Uh, and I was just like, there is something wrong in England. People don't get this much like carrying and this and that. So, and then I remembered like well, one of the projects that we used to do was, uh, was a company called Natura that uh, basically Natura, I think that they still exist. So that was an online supermarket by then. And I was just say, yeah, why, why am I not doing this? So. I started coding the platform. I stayed at home. So coding the platform, I made a contract with the supermarket, the local supermarket that we had. And my idea was just like, I'm going to start uh, area by area in Tehran and expand it with the help of the supermarkets. And then the platform was up and running. I put everything online and um, uh, I go to one of my university professors and I'm just like, yeah, you know what? I just don't have the money. There is this platform that is up and running. I've got all the products, all the SKUs in, and I just don't have any customers. And I remember he looked at me, he was the, he was a professor of my thesis, basically my, my bachelor thesis. And he was just like, look, you know, we are a governmental company. 
uh, we just can't do that much for you. We just have this newspaper, which is um, basically governmental newspaper. You can just make an interview. Would you like that? Which is, yeah, why not? If it's free, yeah, I can do it. So um, it was 1388, which was basically that crazy year of Iran. So I did the interview and I never forget that. Basically, over a night, uh, we were everywhere. There was this massive news. You, you can, you can actually Google it now. I will give you some names. So you, the article would come up. We were on the national TV. We were on the radio. We were on all the local newspapers. Our news went up to Guardian. You can now search Medunak, Guardian newspaper. The article comes up with a photo of Ahmadinejad and Tom saying that the first online grocery market of Iran has been launched. And I was just like, yeah. And then I'm sitting at home in my room, looking at the orders coming through. Suddenly the neighbor runs downstairs saying that you are on TV. And then like my dad is just like, the radio is talking about you. And then the newspapers were just working this article. I'm just like, yeah, I just received 5,000 orders in a couple of hours. And I was just like, what? And this was just not supposed to be the plan. I mean, I, I don't have anybody. It's just a one-man show, me and my sister sometimes helping. And that's it. I mean, that was not the idea. So anyway, that whole story was uh, very interesting. Um, so, but obviously because of the pressure and the scale that it suddenly happened, and uh, that was not the idea, we actually had to close it in nine months. It was so funny. So I remember like I got, um, the first, uh, like the first day after all this crazy media coverage, I received a phone call from Saharis in Masha, like the, the headquarters. And they were just like, because I just put some logos on the website. I didn't have a clue how these things, how the business works. Right. So it was just like, we want to be one of those logos. How much do we have to pay? And I was just like, shit, so people pay for this kind of things? And I just, I remember, I just put my hand on the telephone and I asked my sister, how much should I say? And she was just like, I don't know, just say 300,000. And 300,000 by then was a lot of money. And I was just like, and they were just like, yeah, where are we supposed to transfer? And I was just like, this is my card number. You can transfer here. And then like a couple of days later, I received a phone call from headquarters of Kale. They want to meet up. They want to put up their like massive range of products. And they called me, they were just like, where is your office? We want to make a, make a meeting and come and see you. And I was just, office? And then I was just like, yeah, you know what? I'm actually feeling sick today, so I didn't go to the office. You can meet me at home. So I invite them home. My mom is sitting there in the living room. Those guys are coming, all the sales manager. Like, it was just like, yeah, I mean, it was it was really a point that I realized Uh I'm just a simple developer. Like I have no idea about the business, etc. So I, I actually one morning I opened my eyes. I was just like, "That's it, finished." Regardless of all the customers that I've got, and uh, you know everything that I tried to do to make it work, it just doesn't work. Um, so yeah, that was the point. And then the, yeah, straight away I got the job offer from Germany, and then I came to London. I got the visa. Uh, so I arrived in Germany in December and I remember getting off the plane. I felt like cracks in my body. It was just minus 15 degrees. And I was just, oh my God, this is definitely a wrong place. So I was, uh, I was settled in a hotel. So the, like basically I went to the hotel. I stayed there for two weeks and then I had to find a place and, 
that was the story. So I started basically living in Germany, like um, as a tech lead and uh, helping different companies, especially a company that was by then a Groupon clone in, uh, in Europe. Uh, and they were in 30 countries. And I offered them, you want to go to Iran? You're everywhere. And then they were just, oops, no sanctions. No, we are not interested. Thank you very much. And I was just uh, okay. And uh, in one of the trips that I went to see my family, I actually told them that I've got this idea. I could work in Iran. And I started talking to a couple of business owners. I was just like, are you interested? Are you interested? And uh, yeah, they were interested. So um, then I basically went back to Germany, resigned from the company, started developing the platform. I asked my sister to join, so she also resigned from the company. She was working in Tehran, so we joined together. And uh, that was the beginning of this era. So, uh, yeah, so Tahrifan uh, came out. Like, uh, we uh, rented this very small office, like, with all the money that I saved while I was working. So, I have, like, 35 square meter office. So, we took all our computers and stuff from home and we just started the company there. Oh my God. That is so beautiful. <laughs> I am very much inspired right now. Let's see, Nazani. So you started the company and then, so what I talked to Arash about was how difficult it is to be a woman in Iran and to start your own business and everything. Yeah. Tell me about that side of it after starting your company in Iran. So, well, basically coming from Europe and being a developer, like, I mean, I always get this weird feeling as in the development team, there are some weird reactions and behaviors, regardless of being in Tehran or in Europe. But, I mean, I was still so young to understand what is going on. I wouldn't care, to be honest. So, um, I, I come to Iran and we start the company with my sister and... Uh, I never forget the first time that it actually really hit me was that in the first couple of months, I got this uh, appointment from Mila Tower Manager, one of the managers, which is not there, obviously. And uh, so I went there. I actually presented the whole idea, how it works, this and that. And he looks at me in this massive office. He was just like, yeah, I like the idea, but come with your manager. And I'm just like, manager? What manager? I am the manager. And he just looks at me like, don't waste my time. Just come with your manager next time. And I just came out and I was so destroyed. I go home. I'm just talking to my dad. I said, I can't believe the guy is just like talking to me like that. So that was the beginning of the fact that for a year I was taking my dad along to the, all the big meetings. And I was just like, he's my manager. And then I was presenting the idea. And, um, yeah, so Teal Tafifan that picked up, uh, some basically recognition. We had to always take our dad to the meetings to introduce him as manager so people would take us seriously. So, um, that was, that was actually the beginning. And even till, um, nowadays, I was actually uh, discussing some, uh, uh, like some similar topics in the, like three days ago with a friend, like, Still nowadays, uh, now that I understand much more about dynamics of the business, of the culture, of whatsoever that is there, I really uh, um, feel like there is a big, big, uh, I don't know what you call it, but uh, 
a different look and behavior towards the women. And uh, through the last couple of years, I've came up uh, basically to this conclusion that men get uh, judged based on their potential, but they judge women based on their performance. So they look at the history while with the man, they look at, okay, he could have the potential to do this. And that really makes it much more difficult for women uh, to be able to push it. And it is not just, again, um, it's not just in Iran. I mean, in Europe, in America, in West, still the number of women being in the C-level positions are very few that uh, I think the whole world needs a proper movement. But Iran is definitely, uh, yeah, it's really bad in that sense. Mm-hmm. Having all of that after you actually faced for the very first time the discrimination in that tower in that huge office with that guy asking go and come back with your manager how did you pick yourself up and gave yourself enough motivation to keep on going um to be honest Vida, i never cared i mean i still don't care you know i have to say you know <laughs> i mean i don't want to use uh like i don't give a shit you know that's excuse my language but the reality is like if you want to care about this thing there is still a big racism in the world going on, if you like it or not. And I'm not blonde and I don't have white skin. And I see it in the behavior of so many people. I mean, am I supposed to put down myself like over that? And I'm not that kind of a person. Even going back to my own country, it's still the case. Yes. But yeah, I mean, the life is just not going to stop. And I, I maybe I got disappointed at some point and I got really sad. But there is a Turkish proverb that says the sun is going to come again tomorrow. So the sun is going to come out again tomorrow. So every morning that you open your eyes, it's just a new day. And uh, it's I, I believe it's very important that you just focus on your target and where you are, you, basically you are heading to. So for me, it was never like, I never got destroyed, disappointed, depressed, whatever. Yeah, I just couldn't give it down, basically. Oh my God, I love it. I love your personality. I see right now why Arash was constantly insisting on being like, you need to talk to her. She's so badass. I can see that right now. Nah. I love how you're like, I don't give a shit, okay? Can we move on? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it's actually a lot of like my conversation with my sister because we are together now. It goes on like, so what now? So what? Either I tell her that or she comes up, uh, so what? She say, yeah, forget it. Like, it's not important. Let's move on. So this is a daily, day-to-day conversation, basically. I love this. And then you told me that you started startups before recording the podcast. You told me that you had a startup that was not successful, which was the first one yeah. that you talked about. And then this one, right now, you're pretty known in the business. Uh, well, they say it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So has things changed right now? Do they look at you as the expert right now? Like putting the female side of you away? Well, I mean, yes. I would say when you get that recognition and you get that credit, then things start changing. Like, But um, it would never be as easy as being a man, definitely. But you gain the respect. And that's why I'm saying you need, they work with you based on your performance. So if Tachifon wouldn't perform, I'm sure they wouldn't give this credit. And that is the difference. Why 
the men have this community, they have this network, they, you know, they do business with each other regardless of performance or this, you know, there's just a different environment. But the, yeah, right now, I think on the governmental side and the, basically the ecosystem side, I, um, yeah, I definitely, uh, I think like, it's very good, and uh, I mean the government, like and on the legislation level, level regular regulation level, uh, yeah, they are really having that respect, and uh, yeah, the same with uh, with my colleagues and the other companies. Mm-hmm. And I know that you're pretty outspoken about stuff like this. Like, if there is any discrimination or anything, you actually come and talk about it on your social media, because that that's exactly what Arash told me. So the story that I heard from him was that he called you to invite you for this event that was women only. And what you told him was, do you also go to guys and ask me like, only men <laughs> yeah. events? Do you have things like this? I love how like you're not only, it's not that you don't care. I love how you see pass through that and you're trying to educate everyone at the same time, like giving them a different perspective. And you're not scared. To say it out loud. Looking at myself, it has been d- different parts and history through my life. So there was a part that I hated all these women, women, women things, you know, and I was just like, why do you do that? Why do you do that? I'm against it. There is no difference. There's a, so trying to actually, now looking at it, I try to reflect back and ignore the issues that was there because I was fighting back. I was just like, no, there is no women or men. There is no women or men. But then a couple of years ago, um, like around, uh, now it should be around two years ago, nearly, I got appointment by uh, United Nations and uh, that one of the six women ambassadors and advocates over E-Trade, basically issues around the world. And then we got through all these master classes and basically explaining why this program even exists. And then I started actually reviewing all the history that I, I personally went through. I realized there are a lot of discrimination around the world anyway that is trying to push us down as women, going from culture, going from family, going from parents, going from brothers, like colleagues, like anything that is there trying to hold up the women, like, I mean, basically make it, make them more difficult. So the world is not just that. Just so from that point on, I started changing my perspective that maybe this positive discrimination is needed for women to push them up. Exactly the issue that you said. We just don't have enough role models. Whatever we have seen is men, 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 they are successful, they are this, they are that, so they are speaking, they are that. So for us, even as a woman, I, I went back to myself, which is, oh my God, I also have the same issue. I have more trust in men than in women. And that is because everything that I've seen, maybe 90, 99% of it are just men basically performing. So maybe we need this positive discrimination to even push the women much, you know, take them out of like, help them despite the fact that there are so many issues to make them a role model. So the women would have much more, you know, self-confidence and they would be much more uh, out there. So the people could trust and the people could grow. So um, to be honest right now, if, uh, yeah, you talk to me, I'm just like, yeah, there should be programs that maybe one day I thought they are useless and they are always against them. But now I think that we need more and more women up there, out there for everybody to see like um, 
what you're doing is an amazing job, really. I mean, the women has to hear it and the other people have to hear it. The father should hear it. The brother should hear it, you know. Their sister could be the next basically successful person in whatever thing that they are doing. And that creates the hope through the community and society to give more space to the women and push them up and believe in them much more, you know. And the same goes with the women themselves. I so much agree with you. Uh, Nazanin, go ahead and tell us where people can find you. So uh, basically, I am everywhere, but I'm not active everywhere. So I'm on Twitter, but I don't do it like that. I don't like that. Like, basically, some platforms are not for me. I don't know. Somehow, I don't like get so engaged. So I'm mainly on Instagram, but I've, I'm I'm active there, but again, not. I used to be much more active, but I'm on Instagram. I'm on LinkedIn. Um, my handle on Instagram is Nazanin underline DNR. Uh, on LinkedIn, Nazanin Danishman. And on Twitter, uh, NAZDNR. Uh, but uh, personally, I'm just trying to avoid more and more from the, 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 the social platforms because they're really taking my time. But yeah, but I'm, I'm uh, yeah. I think that's all where I am. It's okay. If there's more, I'll ask you and I'll put it in the description box so they will be able to click on it. Awesome. If you were to leave the listeners of this podcast with one word, one advice, what would that be? I mean, Mahatma Gandhi has this very great quote that I love it. Basically, it has been my favorite for years. That says, be the change that you want to see in the world. So I, I would say... Whatever that we think has to be changed, I mean, at any case, at any area, I think we should be that change and we should be working towards that change. And I'm sure, like, basically, it's going to make the difference. Uh, that would be that. Awesome. Thank you so much, Nazanin. I'm so happy that I finally got the chance to actually talk to you and hear your story. Go ahead. Thank you very much. Go ahead and say your goodbye whatever way you want to the audience and then I'll wrap up. Yeah, thank you very much, Faida, for having me on this podcast. And I think like uh, sometimes, uh, especially now that I'm getting close to 40, I feel like the life is just too short uh, to be scared about the next step. And I, I have said my life like the way that what happens if it doesn't happen, but at least I have taken the route or the courage that I want to basically make the things different or live differently. So I would I I recommend whoever has any idea or has any basically uh, real to do something different. I mean, today is better than tomorrow. Nothing is going to get better or fixed or, you know, some lots of times we think about, okay, let's finish this step and then we would be there or we would be doing this basically. But that, that step would never finish. So I think take the chance, take the courage and make the change that you want to see in the world. Thank you so much. Thank you guys for listening. This was Nazanin and Viv and yet another episode of If I Did, You Can Too. Until next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.